the history as the church gathers on Easter Sunday, known as Resurrection Sunday. There is a refrain that someone would say, he is risen, and the entire church would respond, he is risen indeed. And so we in 2019 want to keep the tradition going, keep it alive. So I want to say to you this morning, he is risen. Turn to the person beside you and say, buckle up, get ready. (laughs) Easter is not only a one-day event, it's a three-day event that starts on Good Friday. Well, it actually starts on Palm Sunday and moves to Good Friday. There's waiting Saturday. And then, of course, today is Resurrection Sunday. And on Good Friday, we took an opportunity to share how the heart of rescue is really the story of redemption, that you and I, our lives are of utmost value to God. We took some time to talk about the statistical probability of one man named Jesus fulfilling just eight biblical prophecies, let alone 300 plus prophecies. But he did. Every single one, not an I missed or a T crossed. He fulfilled them all. And we concluded pretty much Good Friday with talking about How just because you're a follower of Jesus, for many followers of Jesus all around the world, this was their last Good Friday. And I'm not sure if you heard the news already, but in Sri Lanka, churches were bombed senselessly as followers of Christ gathered on Easter Sunday morning. And if you could just do me a favor, those of you just in this section, could you just stand up for a second, please? Not the back, just this section. Yeah, all of you in this section, stand up. Stand up. In, the, in this section right here, please, could you just stand up for a second? Yeah. <laughs> Who am I talking to? <laughs> yes, thank you. This represents about 148 people. And when you just take a moment and look and see, this many people met Jesus today. Senselessly, because of hate. Thanks, you may be seated. Can we as a church pray for the church in Sri Lanka? Heavenly Father, we see again today that unless the Prince of Peace, unless Jesus rules our hearts, that brokenness reigns. But Father, we don't mourn without hope. We don't pray without hope because on this day we realize that all things are possible. But Holy Spirit, we pray that you would comfort and that you would do what only you can do. Father, we realize that these, maybe we didn't know them one-on-one, but these are our brothers and sisters. Together we say precious to the Lord of the death of his saints. And so, Father, would you minister in your beautiful grace to the church in Sri Lanka. Calm their hearts of fear. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You see, Easter Sunday is not just like any other Sunday. And this story isn't just like any other story. And if you know it, the story at all, it it, it can almost seem fable-like, that it requires this childlike faith to trust it. But there are over 500 eyewitness accounts following the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You see, because today, on Easter Sunday, we understand that Because of Christ alone, because of Jesus plus nothing, there was a new word introduced into the story of rescue and its resurrection. 
a word that, again, doesn't seem to fit within it because usually a rescue is understood either saving someone from death or that death has occurred and the rescued failed. But this story is different than any other story that we know in human history. No imagination could have conjured it up because it's so different. A word so new that even as when Jesus told them, like we see in Matthew 17, verses 22 to 23, and as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. How many of you know that's pretty clear? And he finishes up with, but on the, uh, he will be raised on the third day. On the what day? The third day. He's being very clear. And it says that they were greatly distressed at that. Jesus showed them in human bodily form that he had resurrection power with his friend by the name of Lazarus who dies and is dead. And then days later, Jesus shows up in John 11, verses 43 to 44. It says, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice saying, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let them go. They saw it. They heard it. Jesus told them about it, and then they saw it. But then they also saw Jesus die. And with them, disappointment. With them, hope was dashed. With them, oh, I wonder if he was right about everything or is this just like another story in history where someone promises but cannot deliver. And so there's turmoil, there's doubting, there is shame because some of his disciples in the crucible of the moment did not stand strong, but they fled away and they recoiled, and, and they were ashamed to be countered. They began to fear for their own life. This is what we see, but we also see a loving Savior stretching out His heart arms for every single one of them, dying the death that they deserve to give them the life that they could never earn. But waiting Saturday, we wait in between the empty cross or the bloodstained cross and then Easter Sunday's empty tomb. And then on Resurrection Sunday, Jesus forever changed what the word empty meant. You see, usually empty means disappointment. Empty promises. Let's get more practical. Empty gas tank. <laughs> empty bag of milk with a full cereal bowl. <laughs> that one got you, didn't it? Empty nest, empty heart. But because of Jesus, the word empty has been forever changed. You see, an empty tomb awakens a whole new world of possibilities. When it seemed as though death and disease and betrayal and injustice had won This day changed every other day from this day. Nothing was ever the same again. You see, the reality is all throughout history, there are plenty of men and women who have given their lives for causes that they believe deeply in. That is not unique to Jesus. But this day is what makes every other day 
have increased significance. We see it with greater clarity. The story comes alive in a fresh, new way. Because the resurrection of Jesus for all of humanity is an all-or-nothing proposition. Again, prior to Jesus, there had been countless teachers and prophets and heroes, even martyrs who gave their lives for various causes. But on the third day, they remained where they died, where they were buried. But Jesus is a name unlike any other name. As jaw-dropping as the miracles, as profound as His teaching is, as gracious as the moments He had interacting with us were, as powerful as the confrontations that He had with power, if not for Resurrection Sunday, then Jesus is simply another jaw-dropping, profound, gracious, powerful, and dead man, which signifies dead hopes and dead dreams and dead desires. But this Sunday, everybody say this Sunday. This Sunday proves that that which is impossible in Christ became possible. Things that we couldn't believe before the resurrection, now we stand with rooted faith and we believe for impossible things because we have a Savior who conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. The Scripture says in Luke 24, verses 1 to 11, But on that day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tombs, taking spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Pause here. Yesterday during Waiting Saturday, I had a, someone who comes to the church, a brother in Christ, come up to me and said, I've been thinking about that. I don't know if it's not in the Bible, but I've always wondered, why was the stone rolled away? Because it's not as though Jesus was risen from the dead and the stone stopped him from getting out of the tomb. Like, it's not as though Jesus rises from the dead and goes, oh my gosh, I didn't think this through. Now I got a rock in front of me here. <laughs> Looked up at the angels and go, you, you, you missed a technicality. Now I got to wait for someone to let me out. That's, that's, that's not what it is. If you read the story, there's another weird, amazing, terrifyingly glorious moment where all of his disciples are in a room and all of a sudden Jesus is just in the room. So it wasn't, so in other words, the stone wasn't rolled away for his benefit, it's for our benefit because we wouldn't believe unless we walked in inside. No, no, we can do better than that on Resurrection Sunday, okay? Not for me, for up, up, come on. So, so, brother, thank you for sharing that with me yesterday. I stole it today. I appreciate that gift. Thank you. And it says, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Turn the person beside you and say, you're looking pretty dapper too. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them this. And this is a profound question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? That is a profound question for your life. Why do you seek life in unforgiveness? Why do we seek life in bitterness? Why do we seek life in revenge? Why do you seek life in stuff that is earthly and temporal? Why do we go into debt for stuff when we are given something of greater significance? Why do we orient our life around dead things and not ultimate things, which is Jesus? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And then the... These two men said, remember, he told you? 
while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and would be crucified, dot, dot, dot. But on the third day, he would rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the rest. Again, pause in the reading of Scripture. The resurrection of Jesus is the linchpin to our faith. It doesn't do away with the Old Testament, but what it does is it causes all of it to come alive, fulfilled in who Jesus is. Now we begin to see, oh God, now I see what it was that you were doing in every story, in every circumstance, in every way in which you led Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Jonah, all of these things point to a greater Jesus. And on a Resurrection Sunday, this story absolutely comes alive, and this message is entrusted first to women. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to pick a fight in the church. All I'm simply saying is if you think that only men can do it, if the message of the resurrection was entrusted to women, I believe it's a new day. Okay, some of you still aren't convinced. That's fine. Go study and learn what that must mean. Because watch what happens with the men. It says, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles, dot, 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 to the men, to these 11 who had spent three and a half years with Jesus. And it says, but these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. So women, some things never change. <laughs> Even on Resurrection Sunday, the, the Lord have mercy. We, he's not there. <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And then Jesus showed up to them and went, believe it. And the, all the women went, no, no, wait, wait. And, and all the women went, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Told you. Did I not tell you? <laughs> they didn't believe it. Because in their mind, it was impossible until it wasn't. And this is true all throughout human history. If I took you back a number of years, there was a belief in human history that nobody could run a sub-four-minute mile. Nobody could do it. And then one day, everybody say one day. One day, a man by the name of Roger Bannister ran the first ever sub-four-minute Mile. Notice his name was Roger Bannister. And the moment he broke the seemingly impossible, guess what? 46 days later, the sub four was run by someone else, then somebody else, then somebody else. What changed between that moment and that moment is somebody broke something that was impossible and lifted the belief of what was possible for everyone. The same is for Usain Bolt, if we stay in track, who ran a sub nine point seven, which was believed not possible until it became possible. You can do this in politics. You can do this in sport. You can do this in every strata. You can do it everywhere where people break barriers. People break barriers. And if we go back in history far enough and long enough, there are inventors and there are record breakers and record breakers and, and ceiling shatterers all throughout history. And if we go back far enough, we can go back and every single one of them that shattered a ceiling caused others to raise, but what is different is every single 
one of them died and is still dead. And I'm here to tell you this morning that we have a name that is greater than Roger Bannister who made the impossible possible, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he, yeah. And he alone throughout history is the only name. Every other ism has a name, and they are all dead, and they remain dead. But he is the only name in human history. His story is the only story in human history where he made the most impossible thing, death, conquerable. Which means for you and I that we have a profound hope in disappointment. That the hope that you feel, you feel with every fiber in your being. But the hope doesn't have to destroy you because there's a name that is greater than disappointment. And his name is Jesus. You may be given a diagnosis. And a diagnosis may take your life. But it cannot take your soul. Because we have a name that is greater than every other name. And his name is Jesus. You may have injustice towards your life. Which we grieve over and we mourn over, but you do not have to be defined by the injustice because there's a name that is greater than the name of injustice, and his name is Jesus. His name is not Roger Bannister. His name is not Usain Bolt. His name is not Buddha. It is not Confucius. It is the name that is still above every other name, and we root ourselves in the tradition of every preacher from the grave till this moment who showed up to humanity and said, silver and gold, I I don't have it, but that what I have, I give you, I give unto you, that in the name that is still above every name, in the name of Jesus, we give you this hope that is an anchor for our soul, this hope that resides on the inside of you and I that gives us courage to face impossible situations. See, faith is not a fable. It is a reality rooted in a person. Eyewitness accounts are the most damning and pivotal in every court case. And the resurrection of Jesus was not witnessed by a few. It was witnessed by hundreds. Manuscripts were written just not even less than 100 years after, identical to who he is. Some of you say, I don't believe it because it's a fable. Well, the reality is every bit of empirical data, study it for yourself, try to disprove it, and you'll see it. It is there for you to see. The impossible now has a name. So love has a name and grace has a name and God has a name and his name is Jesus. And see, this is the central defining wrestle with Christ. This matters for your earthly life but also for your eternity. You see, the central wrestle with Jesus wasn't that he did good things. The central wrestle with Jesus wasn't that he maybe performed some miracles or the central wrestle with Jesus isn't even that he had godlike characteristics. No, no. The central wrestle with Jesus is the man himself who said, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. I am God. You see, this changed everything and this is what gives this Sunday and every subsequent Sunday its power. Here's what Jesus said about God in John chapter 17, verse 26. I have made known to them your name. Everyone say your name. 
and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved may be in them and I in them. In other words, God is not trying to make it hard to be found. He wants to be embraced and known by every single one of us in this room and every single one of you watching right now online. God is relational. The God that we serve is not ambiguous or there's not ambiguity around who God is. I couldn't say that word even on Resurrection Sunday. (laughs) You all knew what I meant though, right? No, 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 no. There's There's a poet that says it this way, that God waits to be wanted. You see, here's what I want you to know this morning on Resurrection Sunday. The tomb is empty, but your heart can remain closed. And all the power that which we are speaking about today is powerless unless you open your heart and receive it. Why? Because the God of heaven does not want to impose himself on you. He wants to be received by you. The question is, will we open up our hearts to who he is? Larry Hurdo said it this way, to pray in Jesus' name. Everyone say in Jesus' name. It means that we enter into Jesus' status and God's favor, and we invoke Jesus' standing with God. Like a track athlete in England or Canada or any other nation of the world, in training, believing it's impossible, impossible to break a sub-four-minute mile, every single coach and trainer after that to inspire each and every athlete who believed it was impossible, who was training and exhausted, only had to whisper one name, Roger Bannister, and hope would emerge in their heart. And if it's possible for him, then could it be possible for me? And again, barrier after barrier is broken. Church, I want you to know once again that we've got a name greater than Roger Bannister, and I don't want to whisper it to you. I want to declare it to you that at the name of Jesus... Any and everything is possible. That he's as close as the mention of his what? Of his name. For the wages of sin is death, as we talked about on Good Friday. Every single one of us have intrinsic value, like this loony. But every single one of us have also been marked by this thing called sin, that none of us are perfect. None of us are. I've heard other preachers say, there's a, one of the questions we all wrestle with sometimes, even looking at Sri Lanka, is how, why does a loving God allow bad things to happen? Okay, let's just pause. and I get that question. I get the wrestle with that question. I'm not minimizing that question. I get it. But by a show of your hands, please, here. Has anybody here in your life ever done a bad thing? Can I see your hands if you have? Anybody ever done a bad thing? Anybody? If you know someone that's sitting beside you and they didn't raise their hand, raise their hand for them and remind them of a... <laughs> no. Okay, so here's the reality then. Why can a loving God allow bad things to happen? We're all the bad things. See, God is more holy than we can comprehend. He's more loving than we can ever imagine. But without His shedding of His blood, there was no forgiveness or remission of sin that only Christ can take the sin that is in us as scarlet and make it white as snow that we never lose our value to God. We may lose our value one to another, but we don't lose it to God. So the central question can be for my, for my heart and for your heart is then, well, then what do we do with the stuff that's inside of us that's, that's bad, that's not great? And religion says, well, be good enough, just be good enough. 
and here's what you have found. I'm not sure if you found it. I've tried it. It doesn't matter how hard I try, I still fall short. Like it doesn't matter how much knowledge I gain, I still sometimes can't apply that knowledge. doesn't matter how many courses or sessions that I do, that I intake and I do my absolute best, my brokenness shows up at the worst times. And aren't you glad that the cross forever dealt with good enough that you and I will never be good enough, but Jesus alone was. But what the empty tomb does is it doesn't take away the power of the cross, it amplifies the power of the cross. When John, who was Jesus' cousin, saw Jesus coming one day, he said these words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the reality, that's exactly what Jesus did for you and for me, that none is righteous, no, not one. And so the equation used to be in religion that we had to have morality, be good people, plus we had to do religious stuff, minus sin equaled forgiven, which could look like this, like Bible reading plus being kind minus stealing (laughs) equals I'm a good person. And for many, this is still your equation because it's religion. But Jesus gave us a new equation by giving us a new identity. The new equation is it's His name gets stamped over our old name, and we are given a brand new identity. So it sounds more like this now, that we take the name of Jesus over the sin of Jason, and I become forgiven. We take the name of Jesus because of the bloodstained cross and sealed forever by this empty tomb that we celebrate today. We take the name of Jesus over the unrighteousness of Jason, insert your name here, and you become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away, behold, all things become new. You become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which doesn't mean you're perfect. What it means is that you cling to not only a Savior, but a leader and a Lord of your life, that when you feel overcome, you rest in the resurrection of Christ, knowing that I cannot be overcome by those things because Christ overcame everything, that these things are but temporary afflictions in my life, but they do not have to define or change who I am. Here's the reality. There is what you believe about yourself, what you believe about Jesus determines the level with which you rise on the inside, determines the identity. If you believe that you're unrighteous, if you believe you're never going to be good enough, my hope and my heart is to point you afresh to Jesus today and say it may not be the belief that you have in yourself, but believe in the one who conquered sin, hell, death, and the grave, and allow his name and his identity to replace whatever name or identity you're putting over your own heart or for your own life. So I'm not saying pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Resurrection Sunday is let him raise you to life. Let him do what you cannot do for yourself, no matter how hard you try. To him, Jesus All the prophets bear witness that everyone, that means you listening to me here, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his what? Through his name, not through their goodness. The first Christians weren't martyred because they preached about a man who died. The first Christians were martyred because they proclaimed a man came back from the dead. You see, Colossians 3 verse 1 to 2 says this. 
If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your mind on things that are above and not as things on the earth. In other words, get your feet firmly planted on the ground. Don't live in denial, but live in a greater reality. Live in what Jesus has done and who Jesus is for your heart and for your life. And the final scripture this morning is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. It says, for this reason, Paul is now writing to the whole church in Ephesus, for this reason, because of who Jesus was, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, and he has risen from the grave. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family, including yours, in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled. Everyone say filled. Not a little tipping, absolutely filled to overflowing with all the fullness of God. Now to him, not Roger Bannister, Now to Jesus, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think. And according to the power at work, the resurrection power of Jesus at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever and in 2019 forever. Amen. You see... We're going to get preaching here in a minute. See, here's the truth. There is only one name that is going to echo through the hallways of heaven, and it ain't yours. There's lots of names that echo through the annals of earth. We've named one, Roger Roger Bannister in sports, whatever you want to name it, but there's only one name that is declared all throughout heaven. And I want you to know, church, it is also the name of this church life center. That's not the name that's going to be heard in heaven. The name Hillsong is great it is not heard in heaven. The name Baptist, the name Catholic, the name Protestant, all names, but they're not the greatest names. The name religion, not the greatest names. Heaven is filled with the sound of one name, and it is the only name that you and I can cling to who died for us, but also rose for us so that we didn't have to live dead in our trespasses, but can receive grace and mercy. And His name is Jesus.